Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 30th episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this Harvest Moon episode, I'll be discussing positive experiences with periods, free bleeding, and period sex. I'll be sharing an erotic story called Red Heart Period Sex. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is We Need to Talk About Money by Otega Uwagba. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for periods. But first, let's talk about my experiences with my period and free bleeding. Today I wanted to talk about periods. It might not be a sexy topic for many, but I think it's an important thing to talk about. Recently I did an interview or a video kind of um, promotional piece for a platform called Scene Stories. And they wanted me to talk about free bleeding. And free bleeding is having a period without using any menstrual products. And they discovered me, and they discovered I was a free bleeder because I've made a couple of videos on my YouTube channel about free bleeding because I really wanted to share a positive experience about it and there are not many. And I've taken a real personal risk by having these videos up on YouTube because they attract so much negativity. I get um, insulting comments about them almost every week telling me that I'm disgusting, that I'm stupid or that um, that I that it was that free bleeding was a joke made up by 4chan and it wasn't supposed to be taken seriously by stupid feminists, which is absolute rubbish. Free bleeding has been around since the beginning of time. And also it became quite popular in the 70s when there were incidences of toxic shock syndrome, which um, can be caused by by tampons. And um, people were thinking about their health. And, um, and for me, free bleeding was a reaction to sanitary um, products just aggravating me. Um, I, I've had a very strange period in my life. Now my, I would describe my period as something beautiful, and uh, but it hasn't always been that way. When I first had periods, it, they were very irregular and quite heavy. I never knew when they were going to come, and they're just a huge inconvenience, and I was just using sanitary towels at the time. When I first started using tampons, though, I, I found them absolutely fascinating because I found them much more convenient and I was still a virgin when I started using tampons. And what really surprised me was that you put this small thing inside you and then you take it out and it's a lot bigger. And I was like, wow, is there really that much space inside me? It was fascinating because I, I remember when some of my friends were starting to lose their virginity and there's always that question, does it hurt? Does it hurt? Because I think the vagina was this whole mystery, really. You know, I saw it on diagrams, but I never really indulged in fingering that much well, a little bit maybe but but I, but I mean there's a big difference between a finger and a penis size wise and um tampons just seem to yeah grow a lot when they were inside so it's a real mystery and I thought it was that was a good idea to kind of like get to know that part of me before indulging in penetration 
Then when I started having sex, I started to worry a little bit about my irregular periods. I thought if I fell pregnant, then I wouldn't know about it for a while. So I decided to go on the pill and and that made my period, which is a kind of a fake period, very light and regular. And um, that was great. And I did that for several years, actually. I didn't just rely on the on the pill, though. I also used condoms. I mean, I did use, used to have sex sometimes without condoms with my first couple of boyfriends in my late teens, early 20s. But but then I, I just like condoms. And uh, I've been so fortunate that um, my lovers have never given me any problems about that. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing to have that peace of mind because, because the pill is just going to help you with having regular periods and also um, um, as an anti con how do you say it, anticonceptivo, I'm thinking of Spanish, as contraception, but you also have to think about preventing STIs as well, sexually transmitted infections, and condoms are just great, and give you such peace of mind, in my opinion, in my opinion. And, and then that was fine for several years, until I got to my late 20s, and um, I think as I was I guess single a lot of the time, or I even indulged in a sapphic era of lesbian sex with for for a while. I thought there's no point having this uh, taking this pill, so I stopped taking. It. Also, I was a bit concerned about how many years I'd been taking it and what that was doing potentially to my body. So I stopped taking the pill. I had I had no fear of getting pregnant, and um, then it was. A, it took me several months to actually have a regular cycle and I could really feel ovulation it was quite painful I could really feel that the pain in my some of my usually my left side when it when it was that's that, that uh, my left side's turn of ovaries of of ovulation it was kind of intense and then my periods were very irregular it was um difficult to make plans around them you know with um with just you know ideally I wouldn't want to be traveling with a period or or meeting a lover when I had my period etc and today's story is a bit like that it's about um meeting up with a lover and then period um making an unwelcome announcement of arrival um but that was um for maybe a few months it was like that and then um it, it gradually became more regular and then when I went vegan, oh my god! I mean, I'm a, not all vegans are healthy. I must I must point that out. But I am a whole foods, plant based vegan, and I eat everything organic and local and in season. And I tell you now, my periods are like clockwork, even more than when I was on the pill. They are similar to the lunar cycle, maybe twenty eight, twenty nine days, and I, they are absolutely pain free. It's amazing. They are pain free. They are, um, they last about four and a half, five days, and I can still carry on with my normal life. I don't have any paracetamol. I do feel a little bit more introspective and less sociable. That's the only thing. That's the only thing I can really notice with it. But everything else is is absolutely fine. I don't get acne. I don't get PMS, and it's just a beautiful experience. But I remember. Years ago, actually, um, just when I was about to stop taking the pill, I I was with a boyfriend and we were having sex. Um, this is a very personal story that I don't usually tell people, so I hope you appreciate this. Anyway, I was having sex with a guy who with whom I had amazing sex. We actually lived together and we changed position. I went from missionary to um, on all fours. And then suddenly we noticed this 
terrible, terrible smell. And he was like, oh my God, it was so bad that we had to stop. And then I was filled with doubt thinking, do I have an STI? Has he been unfaithful to me? What the hell is going on? So I went to the doctor and I had a swab test. Do you say it like that? I mean, I it was in August and in Spain in August is very complicated because everyone has their holidays at the same time. So I couldn't actually see a gynecologist, but I had to see a nurse. So I had this um, kind of swab test and, uh, you know, the, the, what's it called? The speculum and... Uh, and then I was due back to have my results on the 2nd of September. And on that day, my period was going to be due in the evening because I, I knew with the pill that was going to be my the week of no pill taking and then my, that, would, that would induce a period. But throughout those two and a half, three weeks, I was just very uncomfortable. I remember just feeling quite dry and I would wake up, have a shower, and then within half an hour, I would just be smelling really weird. And I went to visit a friend who has a three-year-old, and he, he was like walking near me. I was thinking, I'm, you know, kind of almost waist height. And I was thinking, I hope you can't smell me because I smell so bad right now. And I had this just in uncertainty. And also in the meantime, my boyfriend at the time was going through all these tests to prove to me that he didn't have anything or he hadn't been with anyone else. Anyway, when the 2nd of September arrives... Um, I went to get my results and by that time all the doctors were back so I actually saw a proper gynecologist, a doctor and, and I get my results and they say there's nothing wrong with you and I said there is definitely something wrong with me and then the gynecologist said okay we'll get up on the table and uh, let's, uh, let me examine you. Anyway as soon as she examines me she says what do you expect you've got a tampon inside you and I was like what how did that happen? And it just sounds, I mean, I don't really tell this story that often because um, people just think it's a really stupid mistake to make, um, not realizing that you haven't taken a tampon out or, or I forgot to take one out and put one back in, you know. So at some point there was there were two tampons in me when I assumed there were none. And at the end of a period, then I'd taken one out and there was one still remaining. So, um, and I felt really humiliated. And then she took the tampon out and then she put it in the bin and then she said to her, the nurse assistant, change the bin, it stinks. It was like really bad. Then I had to have these vaginal um, antibiotics, which were like these yellow pills that I would put inside my vagina. They would dissolve. It was like mustard inside my underwear. And just to kind of take this itch away, because it just felt so uncomfortable. And I obviously had to tell my boyfriend and he said, I think you owe me an apology. <laughs> so obviously I, I did that, but I had no idea that I had a tampon inside me and it was just so, so scary. And just to think that if I hadn't insisted to the doctor that day um, to examine me, I would have died because at that night my period would have come and it wouldn't have been able to escape with all this rotting tampon inside me. And I couldn't even find the string. I had put my fingers in to try and see what was going on. You know, I tried to examine myself, but I didn't feel anything. And um, so I think it's really important to always insist if you, within a medical professional, if you think there's something wrong with you and they're saying you're fine, I think it's really good to go with your intuition. And if I if I didn't, I mean, I would be dead now. That would have been the day of my death. And um, at that point, um, I got better. And then I decided to to start having, to start um, private healthcare. That's not to say that the public system is bad, but I think the protocols are very different. For example, when you go to the gynecologist um, in, in the private um, system, 
you have a vaginal um, ultrasound all the time. So they put this thing inside you, like a big dildo with a condom on, and then you see on the screen your your uterus and your ovaries, and they kind of can see what's going on. They don't really have that technology in the public system. So that would have saved me because immediately someone would have seen that there was something inside me. Or, you know, I would have been able to see a, a real doctor and not the nurse in August. So from that point, I started going having private healthcare. And I haven't looked back since. Just a little side note, because when I was in hospital with COVID and pneumonia earlier or a year and a half ago now, I had an ensuite room with Instagram-friendly vegan food. So I'm so glad I've been investing in this over these years. It's just been one of the best things ever, even though most of the time I'm just paying and there's nothing wrong with me. So, But it's just so worth it with the day you need it. And anyway, as a result of this, um, I didn't trust tampons again, as you may imagine. I, I didn't trust myself using tampons. I think it was so easy to to forget. And um, so I went back to using pads and I hadn't used them since I, I was a teenager. But I found that they had improved a lot since then. I mean, now they had wings and um, they, had, um, they were thinner and that was fine for a while. And but then gradually when I went to the supermarket to try and buy some most of them had this disgusting perfume and that smelled like air freshener and and that really aggravated me I just felt that I felt really dry at the end um, approaching the end of my period it, it did take me a couple of days to get from period to cunnilingus ready if you see what I mean and it just felt really bad uh, on my vulva I was kind of using I was just I felt this kind of real pH imbalance it was horrible and I think a lot of people I mean also I'm here in Spain so it's, <clears throat> it's hot and then there's this plastic liner on, on your intimate parts so you're kind of not letting, letting your vulva breathe and I just felt so uncomfortable so as I was working from home I decided to stop using them one day and I didn't know at the time this was called free bleeding until someone told me about it and then I heard that other people were doing it as well and um, it was just such an interesting concept for me and at the time when I started free bleeding the products available um, there were no period pants like there are now and I highly recommend period pants because I think nature you're supposed to the blood is supposed to flow out of your body naturally I don't believe in um, menstrual cups because there have been cases of toxic shock and, and none of the companies have a health warning from what I know at this point making this um, making this content I mean every time someone has tried to ask me to try or recommend um, you know a menstrual cup I don't see any warnings about health or about um, toxic shock and also I don't I'm not convinced about the hygiene I mean what would you do in a public toilet when the blood's full I mean how are you going to like clean it off and put it back in it's just Wow, it's just so unnatural. But I, th I do think it's a good thing for you know getting to know your body. But I mean, I'm I'm a vegan. I, I really do care about sustainability and all of that. But I I don't put the planet before my own personal health. So uh, there is the argument, you know, if, if you have a menstrual cup that you're only you know your um, period waste obviously reduces significantly. But um, but still, what at what price? I mean, how much risk is there? So I, I think these um, the issues that arise from menstrual cup do need a bit more um, publicity 
and because um, it's not perfect it's far from perfect but everyone's like oh yeah save the planet menstrual cup amazing and if most people do have great experiences i think that's wonderful but you know it's not it's not entirely safe uh, with period pants um i think it's a wonderful uh, wonderful initiative and that's a much more sustainable option than anything else because you just um can have these different pants and you can be more comfortable it's more natural because it's coming out of your body as it should because that's how nature intended periods to be and yeah so I've been a free free bleeder and I, I I think it's very important to share my experience for me free bleeding has been amazing I, my vulva doesn't have that kind of itchy awful kind of um, discomfort at the end of my period now it just feels it doesn't smell which is very strange I think that when you use in my experience and I've heard other people say this as well this is just purely anecdotal but the smell of a period is not as bad when you're not using all these products and also I do think about the the ingredients of these products it's very difficult to actually see a company that actually lists what what is used in period product products so it's nice to um to not have, not worry about any, anything like that. So yeah, I'm a advocate for free bleeding. Well, for myself, I don't think it's possible for everyone to do. For me, it makes it's kind of easy because I work from home, so that gives me a lot of freedom. But I do still go to the gym, I go to the supermarket, I do all these things. But people have this impression that you're you're gushing blood all over the place, or you might be leaving stains, and that's that's not true at all. And I also have a very nice kind of fairly light period as well. Um, so it's not so problematic and, and it's incredible incredible how the body works sometimes I mean I put a dark uh, towel on my bed at night but there's no blood on it in the morning which is weird I get up and I go to the loo and then there's loads of blood so I, I find that it's staying inside the vagina and then I kind of empty it out when I go to go to urinate but I, but then I can feel some trickles at some point and then I know just to go to the toilet so it's not, it's not, it's um, it's quite in, intuitive, really, and I just like to be more in contact and connected with my body. Yeah, so I think my periods, I, I feel they are beautiful. I have no PMS. It's totally regular, and I'm gonna miss my period when they're over. I was speaking to um, a friend about menopause, and, and um, she was saying that she can't wait for it. And I was thinking, oh my god, I want, I'm gonna have periods as long as possible. I want to delay that time. So yeah, I love my period. Probably not not many people do think like this, but I think it's important to share something positive. Anyway, in today's story, I'm going to share a very hot period story about period sex. And let's see how it goes. Did you know that you can use your sexual energy to manifest the life of your dreams? It's called sex magic. I've been practicing sex magic for almost five years and it's changed my life. If you're interested in one-to-one magic mentoring with me, visit my website venusohara.org to find out more. Now it's time for this episode's erotic story, Red Hot Period Sex by Venus O'Hara. Red Hot Period Sex by Venus O'Hara. When you have a long-distance fling, dates must be chosen carefully. It isn't merely a case of making sure that they are socially convenient for both parties. More importantly, you have to make sure that it doesn't happen when a period is due. I remember a time when I was organising a hot repeat weekend with the first female lover that I'd ever had, who lived in another city. 
There was also the complication that there were two menstrual cycles to consider. Hers was the only reliable one, however. At the time, mine was irregular. This was because I'd just come off the birth control pill a few months earlier, and my hormones were all over the place. But seeing as all my lovers were women at the time, I could at least be sure that I wasn't pregnant. Our affair was short-lived, but intense. We spent just four weekends together in total. Just remembering her naked body as I read this, years after the fact, still gives me a delicious frisson that sparks from head to toe and back again. I recall her firm, pert breasts, her dark skin, and how it contrasted against my own pale white complexion like a Benetton sex advert. Her perfectly shaped vulva with its tight soft lips was like something out of the perfect sapphic sex fantasy. I just wanted to cup it and caress it. Then I desired to feel her warm abundant nectar merging with mine making strange, slurping, sucking noises as we rubbed our bodies together to find ecstasy. The aftermath was far more intense than any heterosexual encounter I'd ever experienced. After an intense bout of tribbing, my pubic bone felt bruised and tender. I'd always thought that girl-on-girl action would be soft and sensual, but I was so wrong. She was the first woman that I'd ever been intimate with, and she made me question my sexuality. I felt a desire for her that I hadn't felt for a man since my first love. I couldn't get enough of her, and when we walked along the street, hand in hand, I felt like the luckiest woman in the world. Even a simple thing like watching TV, snuggled up on the sofa, was highly erotic, especially when our hands inevitably started to wander across each other's bodies again. Despite all these wonderful memories, the reality had been far from perfect. The conversation between us was frustratingly limited. I found her closed-minded and superficial in her opinions. We clashed on almost everything, yet somehow this made our sexual connection even more uncontrolled. Where was the logic? We were wild and irrational around each other. For a long time, She was the perpetual blaze burning in my loins. Just thinking about her made me feel the need to lie down and just gather myself. When the time came for our planned weekend together, everything started off amazingly well. The Friday was great. Sex, dinner, snuggling on the sofa. It was just as enjoyable as other weekends. But then Saturday afternoon came my period decided to make an unwelcome appearance. I chose to make its presence felt just as we were enjoying an intimate afternoon nap in my bed. I had no warning. There were no cramps, no PMS, nothing. No, I exclaimed when I saw the blood trickling down my thigh. How could the universe be so cruel? Luckily, she didn't seem to care, but I did. I cared a great deal. I wouldn't be defeated though. I'd been looking forward to this weekend for quite some time and I wasn't going to let my period ruin it. Our time together was limited and within 24 hours, I'd be waving her farewell at the train station. Had this happened with a guy, it wouldn't have been such an issue because of condoms. 
I would just have to put a dark towel on the bed and let him carry on. With girl-on-girl period sex, things were going to be more restricted and complicated. Or so I thought. I decided to go to the bathroom, insert a tampon and snip the string. Then I grabbed some lubricant. We could still rub our labia together and the lube would make up for my lack of natural arousal. This solution worked for a while. She became so horny as she rubbed her nakedness against my vulva that I could feel her deep, warm breath filling my ear. I want to finger you, she sighed. Take the tampon out. I felt a twitch in my vulva after hearing her words. I got up quickly, went back to the bathroom and did as she asked. I threw the tampon in the bin, washed, grabbed a dark towel and went back to the bedroom. The red-hot period sex was about to commence. Blood got everywhere, even on her. Suddenly, the irrational attraction between us seemed even more magnetic than I'd ever been without my period, something that would have been utterly undesirable under normal circumstances. Now it made everything even more intense. She even went down on me, and it blew my mind. Now that's what I call devotion to my vulva, I thought to myself as I gleefully accepted her oral generosity. Her desire and enthusiasm was unmistakable. I was in awe of her devout worship of my needy sex. Despite all of the obstacles, she wanted to savour me no matter what. We rubbed our bodies together once again as her skillful fingers stimulated me. I realised that it wouldn't take me long to succumb to orgasmic oblivion. Our orgasms were like echoes. First it was me, then her, and so it went on and on until we were both exhausted and my pubic bone just couldn't take it anymore. As we snuggled afterwards, I looked around the room. The towel I had prepared found its way onto the floor and the sheets were spotted with red. It looked like a massacre had taken place. This may not seem like an arousing image to the majority of people, but to me it was an authentic symbol of the irrational and profoundly physical attraction that we shared. Despite my efforts to keep things civilised and not let my period be a nuisance and affect things so much, I found that this time the opposite was true. Although I was hoping for a period-free encounter, thanks to the arrival of my period, I ended up having one of the most unforgettable sexual encounters of my life. If periods were always that thrillingly sexy, then I'd want more than once a month. The book I'm reading now is We Need to Talk About Money by Otega Awagba. I found this book when I went to England just a couple of weeks ago and it was heaven for me to be in Waterstones, which is a popular bookstore, and to see all these English books everywhere, it was amazing because I absolutely love reading. And I bought about seven books, which is quite incredible. And this one um, spoke to me because it's a book about money and it's also a memoir. And I love, love, love books about money and I love memoirs. And it's very interesting, the contrast between growing up with privilege and without it. For example, the the writer of the book um, is a Nigerian immigrant who was very clever. So she kind of grew up in, in humble circumstances, but she 
uh, went to very very good schools, private schools, and she went to Oxford. So she's had um, influence from both sides of society. And it's interesting to have to, to actually acknowledge and read about that contrast. It's something that I can really um, emphasize with, actually. It's something that speaks to me as well, because I was brought up in quite humble beginnings, but also I actually lived in very, very nice areas. So even though um, I was taught to kind of really value work and work even washing pots from a very young age and have my own money, I was growing up with people who were very privileged and who lived in big houses and had very rich parents. And I never thought that wasn't possible for me. So I've had this contrast of having, um, you know, rich friends sometimes and then me being quite humble. But also when you're at university or, or having friends who don't need to actually make choices based on money that's something that i kind of envied and that's discussed in this book as well people who can kind of do what they want career-wise because they have this money in their family or or whatever and um, that's something that i have always kind of i was more sensitive to that when i was just a recent graduate for example i studied um european studies and and um, french focusing on feminism and i actually did want to if I'd been from a rich family, I would have um, done a master's in international relations or something like that. And But I didn't have that choice. I had to actually work. And also when I was doing my year abroad um, in, Fren- in France, because we all had to spend a year abroad, I mean, the choices were be an assistant in a school, uh, like a language assistant, assisting the English teacher in a secondary school, or you could do a work placement, or you could do Erasmus Orgasmus. And I really wanted to do Erasmus Orgasmus in a university in the south of France, and in somewhere like Montpellier, and and, and indulge in Mediterranean life. But then uh, the reality was that I actually had to do a work placement in Paris because there's no way my parents could afford to kind of um, um, f- pay for my life in uh, in in the south of France. But now I'm living on the Mediterranean, so it's all worked out fine. And I was quite disappointed when I realised that I did have to work in Paris. But I ended up actually getting the best paid uh, work placement and earning quite a lot of money for a work placement. And but I couldn't have lived without it, to be honest. So that was uh, really 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 good. And also it talks about horrible apartments when you graduate and you, you're earning what can be seemed on what can seem on paper to be a lot of money. But in reality, it's not really paying for your lifestyle. And that's something I can really, really empathize with. That's something that I've definitely um, lived myself here in Barcelona, where things are a little bit cheaper than in London. But in general, um, in Spanish culture, people are living with their parents until very late. And, um, and that's not something that's just happened over the last few years when um, the cost of living has been a bit more difficult or it's been harder for younger people to get on the housing um, ladder. It's been, uh, well, the property ladder, it's been something that's kind of ingrained in the culture. So when you're foreign and you're working in this environment and you actually have to pay for your own apartment and you don't want to share, it does, uh, it is hard. And I've had all those experiences with living in disgusting apartments. Um, But yeah, (laughs) that's something I really empathize with. But something that I thought was interesting as well is talking about co-working spaces. I mean, there was a there was she was talking about a female-only co-working space that was kind of or a private members club that was quite luxurious. And um, 
and what that meant about the privilege, etc. But for me, I must confess that I absolutely love private members clubs. I love being in, in environments that that are abundant and um, kind of select. Because obviously here in Barcelona, I mean, there is a high incidence of um, mugging, pickpocketing, theft in general. And it's kind of nice to be in a place where you can just go to the toilet and not worry about someone stealing your computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that has happened in some co-working spaces here in Barcelona where people have had very lax security systems on the door and then anyone that's just walked in with a suit and then they just help themselves to computers and, and walk out. Whereas if you're in a private members club, I think things are a little bit, it's a bit safer in, the, in those respects. And also the networking opportunities are amazing. I'm a member of Soho House and The Cover, which is just fantastic. And I give um, talks in those clubs as well. And it's just nice to be among the um, creative international community here. Yeah, so this book has really gripped me because uh, I was on the plane for a, t a two and a half hour flight and I, I read about a hundred and something pages on it, of this book, and I've got about 50 left, I think. But it's been a a real page turner for me and um, I absolutely love it. So I highly recommend this book. We need to talk about money. It's, it's a memoir, but it's also a social commentary about how life is for young people and um, and struggles that we go through with also terrible jobs. That's something I can definitely empathize with and um, having, you know, financial struggles, just wanting to be a valued employee, but life doesn't has has different ideas about what's what you should do and then ended up ending up becoming a freelancer. And that's something that was interesting as well, talking about how to um, bill your time when you're a freelancer and your project sometimes you can do things um, for a lot of money and other things that aren't paying that much. And I think it's always a struggle when you're a creative, when you're doing something really fun. Um, I think a lot of people who are in this space have have some abundance blocks and don't see art as, as actually something that can be a business or, or they have these these ideas that if you're being paid a lot for it, that it's you're doing something unethical or, or not right. But for me, I'm just, um, I have, I've gotten rid of my abundance blocks a long time ago. And I, I just think that if you're providing value, then it should be paid for. And, um, and that's it. And I think we always, always um, bill our time and our projects for, I think we should always boost it up by 25% at least, because I think other people will have a better perception of you than you do generally. I think we tend to put ourselves down and not value our own work enough but that's something that I've been learning over the years more and more and um, yeah it's a daily struggle but it's always worth it so that's um, something I recommend this book I definitely recommend this book we need to talk about money by Otega Wagaba. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation it's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. I embrace my menstrual cycle. I relax and allow this time for my mind to rest. Thank you. 
Did you know that you can use your sexual energy to manifest the life of your dreams? It's called sex magic. I've been practicing sex magic for almost five years and it's changed my life. If you're interested in one-to-one magic mentoring with me, visit my website venusohara.org to find out more. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.